Welcome to Chomping After Dark. Your Shay Layden is in another castle. I am Rich Meister, joined here uh, by the one and only Joshua Fowler. Josh, what's going on? Hey! Uh, not much hanging out after the Chompcast. Actually, actually, actually doing this at the proper time after... Yeah, after dark. Yes. It's just the two of us uh, today as we are gathered here to talk about the delightful Paper Mario and the Origami King. Uh, so as we get into it, let me give us a little uh, a little jaunt to preface this. On August 11th, the year of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2000, uh, Paper Mario graced its way onto the Nintendo 64, the spiritual successor to Mario R- Super Mario RPG, Nintendo's joint venture with Squaresoft, saw Mario experience a brand new turn-based RPG adventure with one caveat. This time, Mario, Luigi, Bowser, and Peach were all 2D bits of paper. Uh, the charming aesthetic allowed Mario a new idea to navigate the world, playing with the idea of him being paper, while also playing into the limitations of the console. Uh, the popularity of that series, I would imagine, surprised Nintendo as well at the time. Uh, so Mario got quite a few more paper adventures as the years would go on. Some of those, like the Thousand Year Door, the direct sequel, were fantastic. Uh, Some of the ones following that were less well-received. I am happy to say that I think Paper Mario and the Origami King is an outlier there. Uh, So with that being said, we are... Is this the fifth entry? Do you know offhand, Josh? Uh, I did not get around to all the... Yeah, there were there were a lot in between that, and there was a brief crossover with the Mario and Luigi. Yeah, the Mario RPG and Luigi series, stuff. Yeah, but which is a pretty good one. That I like that one quite a mm-hmm. bit. I, I want to say yes, five sounds right, but I I may be forgetting one from like a few years when I just uh yeah, there's Super yeah. Paper Mario, Sticker Star, Color Splash. So no, this would be six. Then. This would be six. Yeah. This would be six. So that being said, of course, this is Chomping After Dark, which means we're going to break down the narrative of uh, Paper Mario and the Origami King, which the narratives of, narratives of the Paper Mario series are typically across the board pretty great. The writing has been good all the way through, even if I didn't enjoy the gameplay of all of these. So I'll get us started right in to talk about the story here. Um... The game starts, as most Mario adventures do, an invitation from the princess. Mario and Luigi are invited to Princess Peach, uh, by Princess Peach, rather, to an origami festival in Toad Town. When they arrive, the town is abandoned, and Peach has been turned into origami and brainwashed by the origami king, Ollie. A lot of Bowser's minions have met the same fate, being transformed into folded soldiers. Uh, little origami monster versions of themselves, little origami Koopas, little origami Goombas. Uh, and Bowser has been folded into a square, which just seems like a fun way to disrespect him. Mm-hmm. And lots of toads have been washed up into different shapes as well. Mario manages to rescue Bowser, as well as Ollie's sister, Olivia. 
and the three attempt to escape. Ollie ends up finding them. He wraps the castle in five multicolored streamers and rips it out of the ground, dropping it on top of a nearby volcano. Mario, Olivia, and Bowser barely get out of there on the Koopa Clown car, and the trio are inevitably separated when the clown car crashes. So that's our intro. Uh, We got a lot going on there. Uh, but there's lots of fun bits in this first act that I kind of wanted to touch upon. Uh, great bits from our first introduction to a stingy Luigi. Uh, folded up Bowser stuck as a square for almost this entire game is pretty great. Uh, I would say, what's like a standout moment to you in this kind of first act, Josh? Ooh, the first act, I think. Hmm. I, I, goodness, like there's like a lot said, that happens there's, here. Uh, there's so much they they set up so much stuff all at once there, um. But I I really liked like you said before how, um. Luigi, since he's not going to be a part of the party in this one, um. I he mean, needs a reason to run off. He needs a reason to run off, and they do a really good job of having him, feel, like. He's not just wandering off and doing something else when there's important things happening. He's he's he trying to save the mind. world this whole time. He's he wants to help. He really wants to help out. Uh and he's, you know, off helping in his own way the entire time. Searching for the key yeah, to searching Peach's for the key castle. To Peach's, Peach's castle, which yeah, ends up being helpful in the long run. It just it's it's really interesting how they uh and they get a character out of the way. Yeah, yeah. just shove him on his own Luigi mission. I think he briefly has a line about it. He's like, what would Mario do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's it, they. I think they did a really good job with that, of having Luigi be just charming in the brief interactions you get with him kind of throughout the rest of the game after that as well. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I think a, a standout for me, too, in this moment is I've always appreciated... Uh, I think the Paper Mario series is always really good at making Bowser kind of like the second fiddle villain. Like, he's shown up to do something evil, but someone has beat him to the punch, and he just yeah. kind of ends and up... ends up helping get... out. Yeah, he ends up reluctantly helping Mario to save the day. Yeah. That's something I think kind of started with Super Mario RPG, and then Paper Mario kind of always carried that torch. Um, but yeah, that being said, I'll get us going with the next chunk here. So now, Mario and Olivia... Uh, they land in a forest near Toad Town, where they rescue Luigi, who sets off, as you said, Josh, to find the key to Peach's castle, while Mario and Olivia set off to unravel the streamers that are now all across the Mushroom Kingdom, keeping Peach's castle locked down on top of this volcano. Um, in Overlook Mountain, their first stop, uh, they encounter some Koopas worshipping some gem shell stones. Uh, and they defeat the Guardian of the Red Streamer, the Colored Pencils, with the help of uh, powers they get from the Earth Elemental, the first of these papercraft elemental beasts that um, sort of serve as mini-bosses that uh, give Olivia certain powers to help them along their journey. In the case of the Earth Elemental, it takes the form of a big turtle that they can use to stomp the ground. And while the Elemental fights are fun, uh, I think the introduction of the Colored Pencils the first member of the Legion of Stationary was like an an interesting point for me. The villain of this game is a their literal office supplies. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so that that was an interesting setup, but you have to deal with these uh, sort of devout Koopas going on, and now from there, uh, Mario and Olivia head off for the second streamer. So this is where I think the story starts to pick up narratively, and we start to get some new characters in. The two head to unravel the blue streamer, and along the way, they meet one of my favorite characters in the game, an amnesic Bob-omb uh, without a fuse that Olivia nicknames Bobby. Yeah, he, like he's probably my favorite character in the game. He's just they they yeah they managed to i mean i don't know like that's so many characters are good in this game but um i think he's the strongest com- he's the strongest companion character that is a brand new character yeah 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 um they they do a really good job of kind of playing for laughs how much trouble bobby can get into just He's just running off to solve things on his own. Yeah, trying, trying, again, trying to help, but yeah, just constantly, constantly in trouble. Um, there is, in, in, in the, there's a section where you're trying to climb a hill with Bobby. You can see it. You can get there fairly easily by yourself, but he keeps on getting lost and you have to track him down and getting to the top with Bobby is a whole other matter than just getting to the top of this hill because he's just he constantly in trouble. Falling, yeah, and getting caught by things. I think at one point he ends up like he rolls past you, but then somehow ends up at the end. Like I backtracked at a point and I'm like, yeah. where the hell did he go? <laughs> and then you get to the end and he's just waiting for you on a stump. Like he's like, hey, what took you so long? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Bobby's great and continues to be uh, great as they go on. So. Along with Bobby, they end up defeating the Water of Elemental, the second of these uh, elemental beasts who takes the form of an origami... I, I guess that's a dragon? Um, yeah, dragon. I, I mean, it's not really a leviathan, just more of a dragon dragon. It's but... got more of a traditional dragon look, but it breathes water. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's an awful lot like a water balloon. Like, he actually inflates. Yeah. Like, yes, yes. It's like a pufferfish dragon or something. It's... Which would be cool in, yeah. in, when you think about it. Uh, so now with the Water of Elemental Power in tow, the three travel to Shogun Studios, a Japanese-themed amusement park, and they defeat the second member of the Legion of Stationary, the Rubber Band, uh, and destroy the Blue Streamer and rescue all of the park's employees. Uh, the Rubber Band fight being the second one, again, just kind of, like, impressive how they use... The idea of literal office supplies, like rubber bands forming into a literal rubber band man to fight you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do the uh, the office supply bosses all kind of work the way you'd think they work if you were if you were like a kid pretending that they was were all like weapons or something or um, yeah, exactly. And I feel like that only gets better as it goes on. Yeah. And like it ends up leaving you with these things like, well, how do I kill this guy? Like, how do you think you kill this guy? It's... How? Yeah. How would I defeat a bunch of rubber bands? Yeah. And it's like using tension and stuff like that to your to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, after defeating the rubber bands, uh, the park's employees hold a celebration to celebrate everything going on, and Bobby regains his memory. He remembers what happened, how he lost his fuse. Um, it's revealed that he was on board a cruise ship. Uh, with some bob friends of his on vacation. Uh, and after the cruise ship is attacked by a giant blooper, he ends up losing his fuse, getting knocked aboard, and uh, sort of losing his memory. 
and washing up where you find him. Uh, you briefly head to the ship to help him get his... Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself there. I'm actually <laughs> getting ahead of myself there. Uh, so, uh, Bobby ends up sticking around even after regaining his memory. He uh, decides he's going to help Mario and Olivia. And the trio head to the scorching sandpaper desert to find the yellow streamer. Uh, however, on their way, Ollie blocks the path with a giant boulder, which Olivia ends up getting trapped under. And at this point, Bobby and Mario visit the ocean liner, the Princess Peach, in order to recover uh, a box containing a fuse that Bobby now remembers is there. Uh, and in the, the toughest point of the game, uh, Bobby sacrifices himself to free Olivia. Yeah. And I just... Blow up the boulder there. Just... And, I wasn't ready for this, Josh. I, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this, this meaning, because it gets so dark so quick. It, this game has some segments where, again, everything's paper, but the way they treat the characters, because, oh, it's just paper, is brutal. And they have some really dark moments that you go through, like with Bobby just dying here to, to save Olivia with... Later on, there are there are scenes that are basically like the uh, um, Cyber Ninja scene in like Metal Gear Solid, which is hallways full of corpses, but they're little cut up paper Mario yeah. characters. And it's like, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah, um, and we're about to get to one of the weirder moments of that <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the scorching sandpaper desert. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, there's little callbacks to that later. And, you know, now you have perspective of like a bob life. Yeah. It makes you feel a little bit weirder about them just exploding. Like they're ammunition. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really like they and they, they give you time to let it land because immediately after that boulder scene kind of on your in in the little like the mine tunnels on your way to the yeah. desert they have with a bunch of monty moles where olivia basically has like a moment where she breaks down mm -hmm. and um i don't remember which of the paper mache heads mario was required to put on to cheer her up i really wanted it to be the donkey kong one i think it was the goomba that she really liked in the end but like you yes. can you can try to cheer up with the others as well but um yeah like she's she is really taking it hard that bobby is dead to save her and uh yeah. she didn't even get a say in it he gave up his life yeah and they like the the way they handled it was really well done um they make again i i loved bobby in this and they make olivia such a good character as well that you just you she's just absolutely amazing amazing character that you yeah, for fall, sure. fall in love with through this game Olivia is definitely worth talking about because I Nintendo has always managed to keep up this tradition of having Mario be this silent character. So Olivia is the real mouthpiece for this game. Mm -hmm. And I feel like she's fantastically written like her sense of like wonder at the mushroom kingdom and everything. It, it comes off as like really genuine. And I just think she's a fantastic character. Yeah. It's really good for having some of the absurd things that are going on in the mushroom kingdom be able to be noticed like yeah like, instead of having it just be oh of course there's this weird thing and it's always been kind of funny before to it. Yeah. but yeah having somebody like actually be able to enjoy the weirdness 
yeah i think even early on she makes comments about like uh she's like oh i met mario and now maybe i'll meet a goomba Mm -hmm. (laughs) like just being excited about her day yeah um from there now boulder cleared um and olivia cheered up mario and olivia are able to make their way to the sandpaper desert where they find that the sun is gone. It's eternal night in the the sandpaper desert, and they meet the esteemed Professor Toad, who joins them to help them solve the mysteries of the desert. Uh, You get to drive around in a uh, Karibo shoe with wheels for a while, Mm -hmm. which is pretty neat. This whole section has a little car for you. Um, We have to go around and find some desert towers and solve some puzzles to get this sort of ancient... uh, tomb to pop up uh where they end up finding dozens of toads that have had their faces punch out punched out which is fucking terrifying it really is just all these faceless toads with uh yeah they yeah. do they do a really good job of making something so charming just horrific yes <laughs> horrific in this game it's really impressive how it can go from you know just yeah, just lighthearted and humorous to, like, actually pretty dark. Uh, and I think the whole area around Scorching Sandpaper is really fun just because when you get to uh, the town initially, when it's Eternal Night, it's sort of this nightclub like, Vegas desert town. Yeah. Um, it is no longer Toad Town. Uh, you encounter Luigi yet again, uh, staying at a hotel, and uh, he ends up as the bit with the key we talked about. Luigi's found a key for you, but it's the wrong key. But it also happens to be a key you need mm-hmm. uh, to get into the temple we mentioned. From there, inside the temple, you end up having to gather all these punched-out toads and form a dance number, which, if you've looked into this game at all, I feel like everybody's seen that screenshot of oh, the, yeah, Mario the, like, the on the dance floor. floor yeah, yeah. Um, and here you square off against the third member of the Legion of Stationary, the Hole Punch. Which, again, another great boss fight. Uh, I think the the last two were some of the strongest of those boss fights, but Pole Punch still significantly good. Uh, Mario squares off against him, destroying the streamer. Um, and the sun is restored to the sky, as well as the faces of the toads. They're not left as horrible monstrosities, and the yellow streamer is destroyed. Uh... <laughs> Following which, uh, Mario, uh, Professor Toad, and Olivia find Captain T. Ode, uh, the legendary sea captain frozen in ice. Uh-huh. And with uh, the help of Captain T. Ode, Mario and Olivia are able to now navigate the Great Sea to find the Origami Craftsman, who is the toad responsible for creating uh, Ollie. Uh, you know, so he's feeling pretty bummed about the whole thing. Uh I thought this section is a fun one to talk about because this entire, I guess, dungeon area is basically a giant tribute to Wind Waker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, like, such crazy obvious ways uh, down from this. You have a sea chart. You have, you're navigating in the, a ship you get from a toad uh, in Toad Town. And you have to find, I think they literally are, like, the, the jewels of, courage wisdom and power if i'm not yeah, mistaken yeah yeah no they're they're courage wisdom and power um gems that are all the correct colors for said gems uh in order to open up the uh, the tower that you need to uh to get, get to. to yeah which is another fun moment i 
like it was almost alarming how obvious it was you even go to a great sea tower uh which is where I'm losing myself here completely. <laughs> uh, yes, at the sea. T- so at the sea tower, uh, Mario and Olivia defeat the tape dispenser and destroy the purple streamer, which gains them access to Shangri Spa, which is this spa located in the clouds. Um. And now arriving in Shangri Spa, Mario and Olivia immediately find that Bowser's castle crashed here after the whole. Uh, square off with Ollie, and they team up with Kamek and Bowser Jr., of all people, to try and gain access to the castle. Um, so basically, they need to kind of uh, work together, one, to visit all these spas to try and get Bowser Jr.'s color back after he sits, he kind of gets crumpled up, and then eventually sits in a spa for too long and ends up losing his color entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh so you have to go on a, a little mini adventure with Kamek where there's some really good bits uh, about Kamek kind of always being right. Yeah. I, I was curious if, did you ever listen to Kamek in this, in these, uh, these sections? Only the Josh? one time where I had to. Okay. Uh. Yeah. So did I. Cause I was more curious if like, could you listen to Kamek every time? And he's just immediately right. Hmm. Was my, I, I my assume so because I mean, like, I don't think they're moving the the layout around of the jungle. Yeah, yeah. Like the first few times he's right, you just find dead ends and whatnot, and then by the time you get to the last one, you actually just die if you don't listen to comic. Yes, at, at, for the for and the I, final one where he's telling you the direction to go. And which, I got killed there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I immediately got killed there as well, which I thought was funny. Um, like they they gave you a checkpoint right before it so i'm like okay i'm I'm safe here and not mad about it but it's just it was kind of funny Mm -hmm. um so yes you now have to you end up having to beat an enemy who is guarding bowser's castle but you need bowser jr's clown car to get access to it uh and now for the bit you were kind of talking about about just seeing like dead paper enemies Mm-hmm. You you literally lead a revolt of Bowser's minions into the castle to take it back from the folded soldiers, and there's just dead like Goombas and Koopa Troopas and shy guys everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah like mm, yeah it it gets pretty pretty rough. Um, which I, I mean like again like it's like it's it ends up being creepy I think because it's so lighthearted like it's just yeah like they get you to actually really like these characters a bunch. They're all really charming. They have like, even, even the side characters feel like they have personality because, um, hidden in almost every area, probably every area. Um, I'd have to think to make sure that there aren't any, but anyway, there are little like coffee shops hidden away, yes. secret coffee shops. And they almost always have enemies or not like enemies, enemies, but like Bowser's minions in them hanging out at the coffee shop i think there's one the one in toad town has some toads in it yeah yeah but like for for the most part it's just it's these little side things as you sit there and drink your coffee and um, and you get some dialogue have some dialogue from them yeah and it's just it's really really charming and then they have a section where like there are little paper corpses around and you're like Holy shit, this is <laughs> this what is tough, to man. Um It was heavy. It was definitely heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh duh, 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 duh. 
yeah, no, that, that was a lot there. Uh, once you get into the castle, you manage to rescue Bowser and defeat the next member of the Legion of Stationary, Scissors, uh, and destroy the green streamer. The Scissors fight, uh, again, another great boss fight, but I think it was the first one I got myself killed in. Because yeah. you can get one shot. Yeah, you get fight. one shot because those scissors will cut you, just like they cut, like you know, all the other corpses you saw strewn around the strewn about the castle on your way there. You um, heard it here first, kids. Don't play with scissors. Mm-hmm. Um. After defeating scissors and destroying the green streamer, Mario Bowser and his minions use an airship to head to Peach's castle. Um. There's a pretty great shooting section, like we were talking about with the bob bombs. I think Olivia makes a note like, oh, wow, a lot of bobbies. Like, you yeah, end up just like firing d- them as ammunition. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that section was actually kind of fun. It's like it's it's a turret section. You know, like, You're which attacked by paper airplanes, yeah. Yeah, which generally are not good, but this one was just, you know, still lighthearted, short enough that it was. It yeah, worked. and it's not like difficult to the it's not punishing in any yeah. sense. Yeah, it's just it's a fun little distraction on your way there. But but uh, despite your best shooting efforts, uh, whatever you can do, you still end up crash landing in a volcano. Um, Mario, Olivia, and Bowser escape uh, in another dark turn. Kamek and Bowser Jr. sacrifice themselves, seemingly, so you can carry on um, and head off to face Ollie. Ollie re- ends up refolding Peach's castle into an origami castle and the trio pursue him into the castle. Uh, Beforehand, though, it's worth noting, Luigi finally shows up, and it turns out he had the key to Peach's castle all along. Mm -hmm. Which is why he couldn't find it. Yeah, yeah, it was stuck in the tailpipe of his Uh go-kart. Luigi had been through a lot, and he's finally fulfilled his duty, and I couldn't be happier for him, because I feel like he's always getting the short end of the stick. Yeah, it was... The funniest part about that is he shows up at the end there, just defeated because he's been working this whole time just trying to do one thing we've we've (laughs) gotten all the streamers taken care of and we're at the castle and he's not found the key he's just defeated poor 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 luigi and until you point out to him that there's something (laughs) stuck in your tailpipe there luigi and yeah turns out he saved the day yeah olivia does try and talk about and be like listen luigi like I know you didn't find the key, but everything you did find along the way was actually really helpful for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, at that point, uh, our trio now of Mario, Olivia, and Bowser head into the Origami Castle, where they first square off against the final member of the Legion of, Sta- of Stationary, the Stapler, uh, which is one of my favorite boss fights in this game, but also noteworthy because it's now revealed that the reason Bowser couldn't get unfolded was because he was stapled together. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so he's finally uh, returned to his glorious Koopa King form. And the three head on to uh, confront Ollie in another like testament to the writing in this game. Olivia kind of gets like some nerves before you head in. And she kind of gets a pep talk from Bowser. Yeah. Where in one of my favorite lines of the game, <laughs> he says, I'm Bowser. <laughs> I breathe fire and sometimes punch through walls and I'm not afraid of your brother. So why should you be mm. the, uh, yeah, that, that, that section, it kind of puts a, puts a bow on, um, there's a, th- I, uh, the way you get health back in here, if you're not like paying for items or whatnot, 
is to sit down on these little benches and and have a have a nice little sit down and generally Olivia normally we'll talk and yeah have like generally a comment. yeah like the first time you go to any of these benches olivia will have something to say about you know your adventure so far and kind of what she's thinking about her day and it's always just really fun and then this final one is her kind of being down and and uh feeling unsure of herself before this big fight and having a just one last sit down on your on your way up these steps to uh to go fight the last boss um it it felt really nice like it was kind of like okay this is the end it kind of it it made me think back to everything else going on in the rest of the game because they just that this is one it's not optional like on your way up there like you're you're forced to sit down cutscene yeah yeah um but because it's the same thing you've kind of done optionally throughout and it's a nice framing of your adventure so far yeah it really is and i i thought that was thought that was nice so that uh after your little pep talk the three go on to confront ollie uh who has folded peach into a mural for the castle again another weird like body horror thing for me yeah it's it's one of those things i'm like this is horrifying like he finally realized he couldn't control her so he's made her into like this stained glass window it's horrific it's yeah it's also really cool like that it's it's such a cool thing i'm like wow this guy is a monster but I like his sense of decorating. Like, with- yeah, no, he's got a he's got an eye for that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so as as you go in to confront him, Ollie reveals that he has folded nine hundred and ninety nine paper cranes, one away from the thousand needed to grant him ultimate power to create his origami kingdom. Uh, basically, by granting him a wish and turn all toads into normal paper. Uh, he reveals to you that his hatred of toads comes from the origami craftsman who disrespected the art of origami by writing on his paper um the fight ensues which is kind of like a cool culmination of all the unique boss fight stuff you've experienced so far uh at one point bowser is folded into an origami version of himself yeah, to help like you fight origami sumo wrestlers you have a little you know folded paper sumo wrestler fight which is really fun yeah you basically gotta control the the wrestling ring to yeah. help Bowser have the advantage um, in sumo wrestling Ollie. Yeah. Uh, so, th- yeah, the three band together, and they manage to defeat Ollie. Um, and as he's dying, Ollie apologizes for what he's done. And Olivia reads the writing on his body and realizes that the toad, the origami craftsman who wrote it, actually just, uh, you know, wrote a wish that Ollie would be a good king. Um, and now Ollie feels like a dick, because he is... <laughs> Uh, so he requests that Olivia use his paper to fold the final uh, crane, which will grant Olivia's wish, and Olivia commands the cranes to undo all the origami that the uh, King Ollie folded, which actually includes herself. She was folded by King Ollie. So Mm. we have to bid adieu to Olivia, which is, uh, you know, a heartbreaking ending, because I do think she is a really strong character, like, stronger than I expected going in. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. That that ending was so good. Such such a good way to wrap that all up and have you feel ready to move on to the next adventure and whatnot, but still constantly thinking about the sacrifice yeah. that Olivia made for us. Yeah, and, well, and everything else that happened in, in, yeah. in the game. It just kind of 
you're constantly I don't know like it just I I really liked the ending of this game I thought it's just by having it end that way it's just, it's going to make me think about it it stays long, with you for long sure. term a whole lot more than if it was just some um generic yeah, yeah. happy ending or whatever absolutely uh, it's it's happy but it's bittersweet um and the final bit is actually the origami festival finally happening and like mario and peach kind of reflecting on olivia and all that um bowser and all his minions are there as well and i didn't actually know this until i looked it up i don't know if you got the scene there is a post credit scene that only plays if you had gotten enough toads Hmm. Um, where it shows, uh, the origami craftsman, uh, he's making little miniatures of Ollie and Olivia to put in his origami castle, hmm. uh, which I'm pretty sure I did see the scene. No, I, I'm, I did not get anything after, after the credits. I think you may have to find all of them for that. Cause oh. I, I found Maybe almost I everything then, or I'm thinking of a different scene, but yeah, it shows, uh, the origami craftsman. He's making inanimate miniatures of Ollie and Olivia and he seats them in a replica of the origami castle. Uh, was that post-credits? I remember, like, you see the castle according before to, the credits. Yeah, according to what I looked up, that was a post-credits scene. Hmm, okay. So I only remembered the castle thing at the beginning, but he hadn't folded them. He had little thrones for them, but I think the scene plays, but it might play differently or something. Yeah, I think what I definitely saw is that scene, then you're right, with the empty thrones like it had always been, but it's... Apparently, there's a cut to him folding mini mm. Ollie and Olivia to put in the seats. Yeah. Um, oddly enough, like, without that scene playing, the game goes immediately from credits back into the intro, which it's is weird. Is, well, A, it's a little weird that it doesn't sit there and give you, a, you know, any sort of screen. But also, I really liked that because the intro to this game, I'd seen a million times already but it's it's Olivia Still being good. folded like just yeah. her square of paper you know being folded into Olivia there and having that just kind of come back around to the intro feels really good just kind of having that as totally. as a bow on it cuz even if the other scene played it's going to loop back around you know to that one and kind of give you this this feeling of I can come back and play this again whenever I want just to, to be with these characters again, but yeah, just feels, feels like the story is, you know, it's still tied up so nicely. Yeah. It's got it a was. nice little bow on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think normally at the end of this, we go on to say whether we uh, would recommend the game. I, I have a full review up on the website in which I would endorse. I love this game. I, from the narrative to the gameplay, I fucking loved it top to bottom. Uh, we've said on the, the Chompcast before, like, recently, actually, I think the combat towards the end starts to feel like you've seen everything and you start to skip stuff, but I do think the combat is great for what it is, and this game is just charming as hell, and I, I really, really liked it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I actually liked the combat pretty much the whole time anyway, because even when it was something I'd already done, it's still... An interesting thing because it's it's really the only puzzle really like unique it. yeah yeah and it was still just fun to kind of have like I, I wasn't it's not a long game it's still only like um what like 30 hours or so um yeah if and, that yeah and I, I i did not think it was long enough to I really don't wear think out it its overstayed welcome. its welcome yeah yeah 
like the only time I really started skipping combat encounters was in the origami castle where I was like, I've seen these. All right, let's, let's just get, and that might've been part of me realizing the finish line was within sight. Yeah, that can do that. Oddly enough in that castle, they start giving you a whole lot of puzzles I've never seen before. Similar enemies, but giving you different variations, new variations of them. So it was actually interesting to have new puzzles again, because I hadn't seen new, new ones in a while. Um, Mm -hmm. So, that is interesting. Um, before we wrap this up, any any final thoughts? Any standout moments? Obviously, we said the writing is great. Uh, I keep thinking about that line to that toad who has, you know, terrible labor enforcement. Uh, <laughs> I believe his exact line was, it's me. I'm the toad you rescued so I could work 18-hour days in the shop. Yeah, that's... There are so many, like... Just kind of nihilistic characters in this like toads who were happier you know you know not being sentient um (laughs) being folded into little squares yeah finding them like one of the first things you do um after you fall out of the castle and make your way through this forest on your way back you go through this little campground that's outside uh toad town and there are little paper logs in this um fire pit who whenever you go near them will beg you to light them on fire um just because that's what they want to do their their logs yeah, were they want to serve their purpose yeah but it's like that moment just kind of stuck with me for the rest of the game like oh it's it's that sort of game they're they're going to have characters yeah, that want you to burn them it's i want to die yeah um and they kind of keep that sensibility with a lot of the rest of the humor throughout but th- th- that moment just stuck with me I, like, I remember that the rest of the way through the game and oddly enough they kind of use that as a puzzle solution for like one of the little side quest puzzle things much much later um, that actual if you remember going past those logs you know hours and hours ago uh, you can remember it and there's, there's something with that but like that that kind of bit is kind of when i realized okay this is going to be something really cool um yeah pretty pretty special so definitely yeah (laughs) that's a good one i think it's similar to that point uh one one bit i wanted to bring up because i love when a game handles humor like this uh there's a bit pretty early on in the first section where you were going after those uh shell gems uh where one of them is being auctioned off by a monty mole Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a bunch of Koopas sitting there and you can kind of just bid on it really quick and buy it and have no issue. Yeah. Or you can keep waiting it out. And if you wait it out long enough, the Koopas will buy it. And then you have to buy it from them for a higher price. That's funny. You can, if, if, if you don't let them buy it, you can get his price down to like a 10th of his first offer. Yeah, but you could push it lower than that. Um, yeah. And the Koopas will, and they're like, he's really not going for it. And they end up buying it. <laughs> uh-huh. And then you have to buy it for from them for more than what he was initially asking. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they, yeah. They, they have a lot of good humor in there that just kind of, I don't know. It's, it really worked for me. It really worked for me. Like yeah. a basic, I, I can't really remember any jokes that were just like, standout-ish yeah but yeah it, i think it works pretty much across the board um i 
I was optimistic about this one, but I hadn't really been wowed by a Paper Mario game in like since Thousand Year Door. Yeah. I'm now super hopeful uh to what this series has next, which was kind of my last question. Really, I want to see where do you hope they go next? My main thing for me is obviously I think the writing's been consistent. I'm hoping they iterate on but keep this combat system is my it's so unique and it doesn't really have anything to do with the origami that the rest of it is there so like i think they could keep that style puzzle whether or not it's the combat system i'm not sure but i i liked it i i think that i'm fine without levels going forward i feel like they tuned everything very nicely in this um in order for the combat to feel really good throughout. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, 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 I'd be fine seeing more combat like this again. They probably, probably need to do something to switch it up because I feel, I feel like they kind of hit most of the variations of it. I'm so, sure they can do other things, but they, so many things have been done with this that I think if we had the same combat, it'd probably be, there needs to a be a little lax, but, maybe some kind of new element to it, or they need to find something unique they could do with the enemies that would set it apart. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I, I'd like Nintendo tends to like kind of strive for innovation and stuff like this. So I'm interested to see what they could turn out. Yeah. I don't imagine they're going to do the same combat again. Like I really liked it, but I, I don't know if I want to see more of the same thing. I think like the, the last time they, oh, I mean, they, they keep making new super Mario brother games, but I, anyway, that's, they're just making more old Mario games because you can you can do that like the the movement's so yeah. good it's just do it but like other than that Galaxy's the only one that's gotten like a sequel like oh no we just we need the game we need more of that to thing. to do yeah. exactly what we just did because it's such a cool mechanic that we need more exactly like that we were nowhere near out of out of ideas and I don't feel like there's enough left here to have I don't think they're gonna use the exact same combat again. Um, which feels a little iffy to me, kind of like you said, because the ones before this were continued really to me. have new mechanics, like new sticks for the combat, and they did not work very well. Yeah. Um, so it, it was nice having one of those things be like, oh, here's really the good. new thing they're trying, and this time I really like it. Like, yeah, yeah, it was good to have. All right. Uh, I guess on that note, unless you got any other big ones, we can we can get the hell out of here. I think we're good. All right, Josh. Thanks for hanging out with me. Uh, thanks, Shay, for letting me hijack your show. <laughs> and uh, we will catch you guys on the next Chomping After Dark. Bye.